So listen, Michael, your branch has been doing great lately, and your sales staff is reporting very strong numbers. Outperforming last year, in fact. Um, and I don't know exactly how to put this, but what are you doing right? Right what? Utica, Albany, all the other branches are struggling, but your branch is reporting strong numbers. Look, you're not our most traditional guy, but clearly something you are doing is right. And I just, I need to get a sense of what that is. David, here it is. My philosophy is basically this, and this is something that I live by, and I always have, and I always will. Don't ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone, for any reason, ever, no matter what, no matter where, or who, or who you are with, or, or where you are going, or, or where you've been, ever, for any reason whatsoever. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way, like an improv conversation, an improvisation. What do you think your greatest strengths as a manager? Why don't I tell you what my greatest weaknesses are? I work too hard. I care too much, and sometimes I can be too invested in my job. Okay. And your strengths? Well, my weaknesses are actually strengths. Oh. Yes. Very good. Michael is doing something right, and in this economic climate, no method of success can be ignored. It's not really time for executives to start getting judgmental now. It's Hail Mary time. Hey. What say we order up some pasta? What say we do? So I was in the office. And I look over to our accounting division, and there is Kevin Malone. Kevin is wearing a jacket that I've never seen before. And I call over to Kevin. Kevin, is that a tweed jacket? And he looks at me and he says, Michael, yes, it is a tweed jacket. And I look back at him and I say, I feel the need, the need for tweed. It's hard to try and evaluate yourself, Michael, but I appreciate you trying. Can't wait to get to the office tomorrow morning now after watching that, right? Oh, welcome to Hope, everybody. I hope your summer's off to a great start. I hope that your Father's Day weekend is off to a great start. Our message series for this month is called Romans Runs Deep. We're off to a really good start in this series. If you have your Bibles, you might want to open them up to Romans chapter 12. It's where we're going to be hanging out today. And let's begin by reading verse 3 together. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Uh, it's so uncomfortable to watch that scene as David Wallace is trying to get Michael Scott to do a little self-reflection, self-evaluation. Poor, poor Michael Scott is so completely unaware he can't even evaluate himself. My, my hope is uh, most of us in the room are at least self-aware enough to evaluate ourselves, although I'm guessing also all of us could be a little more honest in our evaluation of ourselves. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, Paul writes. 
And one of the questions it causes me to ask is, what exactly is Paul wanting us to evaluate? What's Paul wanting us to evaluate? And I think verse 1 gives us some answers. Here's Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all God has done for you. So the first two words, this two-word phrase at the beginning of Romans 12 in the New Living Translation, it says, and so, dear brothers and sisters. It's just one word in the original Greek, and it's a Greek word that gets used over 500 times in the New Testament, and more than half the time it gets translated with one word, therefore. And if you have other English translations besides the New Living Translation, it's very possible Romans 12 for you begins with the phrase, therefore, dear brothers and sisters. Uh, One of my seminary professors, he was fond of telling us, anytime you're reading through uh, the scriptures and you come across the word therefore, you always should ask yourself, what is the therefore? Therefore, right? And so at the beginning of Romans 12, when Paul says therefore, it is an indicator to us that Paul is shifting gears. A major transition is taking place in this letter to the church in Rome. Up to this point, the first 11 chapters, Paul has done his best to summarize for us in just 11 chapters everything God has done for you. Starts back in creation. God creates all things, God creates human beings, and then God watches as human beings turn their back on God. And we go down the wrong path. We go the wrong way. We, We live the wrong kind of life. And Paul writes about that in those first 11 chapters. He also writes about God's plan for making things right. If going the wrong way is sin or uh, evidence of uh, unrighteous behavior, Paul says God also has a plan to make you righteous. And that's through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds us in these first 11 chapters, here's how salvation works. God takes the penalty for your sin. God is merciful. Instead of sending Jesus to condemn us for our sins, God sends Jesus to save us of our sins. And and eternal life is this free gift that God offers us. It's available for everyone because of God's great love. In chapter 8, Paul starts to use family terms. The saving work of God, it's really God adopting you into the family. You are children of your heavenly Father. This is all this stuff that God does for you, and God does it out of perfect love for you. And then you get to chapter 12, and it says, therefore, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, in light of everything God has done for you, when you think about all the blessings, all the good things that God has done for you, how are you going to live your life? And so Paul says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself. The wisdom of scripture is, in light of everything God has done for us, we can live this life of faith, a life of freedom a life that's filled with joy because our life is a response to everything God has done for us. So when you look at your life, when other people look at your life, is there evidence that you are a person who's living your life in response to all the good things that God has done for you? It's a good way for individuals to evaluate how we're living our lives. It's also a good way for congregations to evaluate how are we doing, how are we living, how are we carrying out our mission. Here's the mission of hope. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. 
This is the mission of hope. It has been for almost 30 years now. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. It's the mission of hope when I am on sabbatical. It's the mission of hope when I'm not on sabbatical. It doesn't change. So if you haven't heard, I'm going on sabbatical. Uh, we, we have a weekly email, and we've dropped hints in there the last couple of months that uh, this is a sabbatical summer for Scott. That's a lot of S's. How about that? Um, hopefully in the word sabbatical, you hear the word Sabbath. God creates all things in six days of creation, and on the seventh day, God rested from all the work of creation that God had done. And God says, build this rhythm into your life. Every seven days, have one day as the Sabbath day, a day of rest and a day of renewal. It's God's gift to you. And so expanding on that Sabbath day, a sabbatical is every seven years, the leadership of this church says to the pastors, if you'd like to, you could take an extended Sabbath. Uh, an extended time of rest and renewal, a sabbatical. And so my last sabbatical, I've been at Hope for this fall will be 17 years. My last sabbatical was in 2014, so uh, nine years ago, and this felt like the right time uh, for another sabbatical, another uh, you know, extended season of, of rest and renewal. And the work that I'm going to be doing as it relates to uh, the mission, a couple of years ago we bought the five acres of the Johnson Farm, and the big question that people had when we did, did that is, uh, what do we need five more acres for? And so I'm going to be talking to a lot of churches and ministries that are in, I don't know, Matthew chapter 25 kinds of ministry, feed the hungry, uh, take care of the sick, uh, clothe the naked, uh, visit those who are in prison, show hospitality to strangers. And, and is there anything in that or in Hope's 10 for 10 vision that talks about things like a uh, youth outreach center or uh, transitional housing or uh, a Christian counseling center? I'm going to be talking to people who are doing this already. How do you fund it? How do you staff it? How do you uh, make room for volunteers to serve in that kind of ministry? So that's what I'll be doing. And you all will continue to carry out the mission of Hope. It's who we are. It's what we do. I want to hang here for just a little bit because embedded in the mission, we see that there's a movement to love, reach out. There's a movement to love. And, and the movement, uh, the flow of love, it always begins with God. God is love. And God freely pours his love into the world and into our lives. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. God's love has an eternal nature to it. So big, so high, so deep, and so wide, we can't fully understand it. But God's love fills us to overflowing, ultimately it flows out of us into the world around us. So this is the, the direction, the movement of love, the healthy flow of love. But sometimes we have a hard time trusting God's love for us is unconditional. That God loves us no matter what, it, it's not dependent on what we do. And when we have a hard time trusting in the unconditional nature of God's love for us, we start to mess with this flow. And we start to think, um... Maybe God's love isn't conditional. Maybe I have to do things. I have to be good enough, worthy enough, obedient enough, faithful enough in order to get God to love me. That messes with the flow of love. It also messes with the definition of salvation because all of a sudden now we're making salvation about what I do instead of allowing salvation to remain what the Bible tells us, which is all about what God has done. We want to keep this healthy flow of love. It's embedded in our mission. We have language that we use around here to remind us that a life of faith and reaching out and serving and, and loving others, there's, there's a healthy flow to this. So sometimes the language you'll hear us use around here, a life of faith is a get to and not a got to. It's a get to, not a got to. And Paul writes about it, Romans 6, 14. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. You live 
under the freedom of God's grace. Do you? Let's say that again. You live under the freedom of God's grace. That's a pretty great verse, isn't it? That's a pretty freeing idea, isn't it? What if you could wake up every morning and this is one of your first thoughts? Ah, I'm living under the freedom of God's grace. And that's what's going to motivate me in my relationships. That's what's going to motivate me in everything I do today. I just, can, I just got to remember I'm living under the freedom of God's grace. Ah. I grew up, our family, we went to church all the time. The, the social life of our family kind of revolved around church activities or faith activities. From fifth grade to eighth grade, I went to a Christian school. My friends there all went to different churches, and so when I would visit them, I'd see different churches. In 1995, I started working in a church, so I've been in church world a lot over the years. One of my observations, far too many churches are not living under the freedom of God's grace. Far too many churches are filled with leaders and members who are not living under the freedom of God's grace. And when you go to a church that's not living under the freedom of God's grace, there's a, there's a sound that you hear. Uh, last week, we talked about the sound of groaners. This verse, uh, when you're not living under the freedom of God's grace, it doesn't sound like groaning. It sounds like grumpiness. Hey, we've got this stuff that needs to get done. Who's going to do it? Nobody? I guess I'll do it then. If nobody's going to do it, then I'll... You, you walk in the doors of this church, and people, churches that are not living under the freedom of God's grace, and you're greeted by grumpy ushers. You take your kids to Sunday school where they're taught by grumpy Sunday school teachers. You sit next to committee members in the worship service who are grumpy about the meeting on Wednesday night that lasted until 10 o'clock. You know, the last thing God needs is a bunch of grumpy people reaching out to the world around us, sharing the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. I don't think that's going to be a very effective strategy. And so at Hope, we try to remind ourselves there's a flow to this. And we reach out and we serve and we help, we, we live the life that we live, we carry out the mission in response to everything that God has done for us. We live under the freedom of God's grace. It's a get to, not a got to. Grace is really big. Grace is the power of God to forgive us our sins. Grace is the power of God to transform us and change us and help us live in, in new ways, in, in healthier ways. Paul has a lot to say about grace, including this in Romans 12, verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Uh, when our daughter Hadley turned 16, my son Shaden and my dad and I road tripped out to Indianapolis, Indiana. I found a car there, a 15-year-old car that I thought would be perfect for my 16-year-old daughter. And she loved this car. Uh, for the final two years of high school, she drove it. High school for Hadley was in Urbandale. And then the first two years of college, which was in Wisconsin, about a six-hour drive, she drove this car. Uh, and then after, you know, now it's 19 years old, right? It was 15 years old when we got it. After her second year of uh, college, it's now 19 years old. We thought, maybe it's not reliable enough to keep going that six-hour drive. Let's give it to our other, let's give this unreliable car to our other kids, and, and they can drive it. Finally this week, it bit the dust, and it died, and there is no resurrection this time. And so we had to... Uh, haul it away. Uh, back up a little bit. Four years ago, when Hadley graduated from high school, as she's getting ready to go to college, I thought as a going away gift, I would uh, replace the stereo in her old car. 
take out the radio, take out the CD player, take out the tape deck. It was so old you could still play cassette tapes in that and replaced it with a newer one that, you know, with the touch screen and Bluetooth and that sort of thing. Just to be more precise, when I say I took it out and replaced it, what I mean is the geeks at Best Buy took it out (laughs) and replaced it. I don't have the skill set to do that. Uh, So this week, before they hauled the car away, I thought we need to get that car radio out of there so that I can put it into Kylie's 15-year-old car, because she would really love that. Uh, So I called up a guy, a friend of ours from church. Hey, can you come and do this? Sure. And he comes out, and within a couple of minutes, he's got the entire dashboard gone, like the front. I was like, how did you do that? He has the right skills, the right tools, the right temperament. I don't have the right temperament for that. I'd break everything. And I said to him as he's doing this, it is such a joy for me to watch you use your gifts and do the same guy a couple of weeks ago he was over uh, replacing a light fixture in one of the rooms of our house I can replace a light bulb I'm not going to try to replace a light fixture and electrocute myself or burn down the house or something this guy has all kinds of gifts that I do not have Uh, but if I said to him hey I'm on sabbatical the rest of the summer could you do pulpit supply for me he would have gone running and screaming in the opposite direction that's not his gift in his grace God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Earlier this week, I was walking from my office to a meeting in another part of the church, and I walked by a couple of volunteers who were hard at work on some project for Vacation Bible School. And they had big smiles on their faces, and they were talking and just having a great time. And part of the reason they were having so much fun was they knew what they were doing was going to bring a lot of joy to hundreds of kids in a couple of weeks when Vacation Bible School starts around here. Uh, It's really interesting to me when when you look at how does the Bible evaluate churches, you're not going to find a whole lot in the Bible that says, oh, uh, pay attention to numbers, that big churches are better than small churches. Instead, what you'll see in the Bible is faithful churches are better than unfaithful churches. And the number of people who are part of the church has very little to do with how faithful that church is. Now, the reality is this church, Hope, is a pretty big church. Pretty much everything we do, we do in in smaller groups. It's not like we have, even worship, we don't just have one service in one big room and say, everybody come at the same time and we'll all worship. We have five different uh, services. And so even when we gather for worship in this big church, sometimes it feels like we're part of a, a, a small church. But here's one of the observations that I make about our big church, and that is uh, the size of Hope, it creates some opportunities to serve in some really unique ways and and to use some really unique gifts that you might not need to use at every church. So uh, the church that I grew up going to was traditional worship. And we had an organ and we sang from a hymnal. And I love that because I'm a bass and I like to sing the the bass line of of hymns. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Modern worship music has very few bass lines. Uh, Sean and Kyle sing so high. I don't know, especially in the morning. How do you sing that high in the morning? Anyway, um, I love both traditional and I love what we're doing for worship here. They talked about it, uh, Lindsay over in the reservoir and and Kyle here as we were going into that last song. It's like, we want to open up our hearts when we come to worship, so that God can transform us, so that God can help us experience more of this eternal nature of God's love. And I love the way that week after week, service after service, our worship team leads us in in opening up our heart to the work of God. The other thing that I love is is looking at how many people it takes 
each week to serve on the worship teams. In, in an ideal world, there'd be eight. Four instrumentalists in the back line, four vocalists in the front line. But that's just here in the worship center. Then we have a, a second team each weekend in the reservoir. So 16 total uh, people helping each week on the worship team. If you are gifted uh, with abilities in music, whether you can play an instrument or sing, Kyle and Sean and Lindsay, our worship staff, would love to talk to you about being a part of the weekend worship team. Students in the room, middle school, high school students, our goal is for Wednesday nights when we gather for Power Life and Ignition, we'll have a, a student-led worship team that all the vocalists and all the instrumentalists would be middle school and high school students. So if you're gifted in that way as a student, again, talk to the worship leaders. They'd love to help you. If your musical gifts are more in alignment with mine and you can sing in a choir, we have an adult praise choir. And Eric, who's playing keys with the worship team uh, today, he leads that praise choir. It'll start up again as we get closer to the fall. So be thinking about that. Of course, you can't hear anything here. <laughs> yeah, I, it took them until figure out they could. Uh, you can't hear anything. Geek Squad, our production team. Well done, well done. I didn't even tell them to do that. They just, the spirit moved and they did um, I was talking about Vacation Bible School. Uh, that was really well done. He's been waiting for that. Oh, he's going to tell his kids. About, anyway, Vacation Bible School, the email I got this week here at Hope Ankeny, uh, 989 kids are registered for Vacation Bible School already. Praise God for that. Um, it's going to be a, a great Jesus party. Two weeks at the end of July, three sessions of Vacation Bible School. And Christy Schmall, who runs our children's ministry program here, says uh, it's going to grow. We're planning on 1,300 kids coming to Vacation Bible School this year. And there's all sorts of ways that you can serve in the weeks leading up to that. You can also serve, of course, during those three sessions of Vacation Bible School. We're really excited. Uh, this year, at the end of that run of two weeks of Vacation Bible School, we're going to host Taste of Hope Ankeny here. All the campuses of Hope will we'll be doing some version of Taste of Hope, but we'll do a Taste of Hope here in Ankeny. And I, just to be clear, like, this is not a vacation Bible school thing when we talk about Taste of Hope. It's not a children's ministry, youth and family. This is a mission of hope kind of thing. Just like Christmas Eve services, Easter worship services, Taste of Hope is a garage door event where we want you to invite people to come and get a small taste of what it is that God up, is up to here on a day-to-day -day basis. And so we're going to, all sorts of ways the staff have uh, been thinking about to help you be invitational, uh, roles that you can play to, to help us plan and uh, pull off Taste of Hope. And one of the things that's going to happen, uh, Summerfest happens here in Ankeny every year, and there's a Summerfest parade, and we're going to have a float in the Summerfest parade, which is really hard for me to say. Because in 2011, I was driving the float for Hope Ankeny in the Summerfest Parade, and I ran over my daughter. She's okay. Uh, I looked back, and the, the trailer that I was pulling had rolled up on her calf, and I had to back up to get off there. And so we crushed some bones, and she was in a boot for the rest of summer. But other than that, she's fine. <laughs> Except for when the weather changes, she reminds me, my foot hurts. You think that's from when you ran over me, Dad? Oh, man. So you can join and walk in the Summerfest float if you want to. I won't be driving anything, so you'll be safe. They had to change the rules about throwing out candy because of the pastor at Hope who ran over his daughter. Anyway, 
we're going to be handing out probably candy, but also postcards with information for Vacation Bible School and Taste of Hope, and we'd love for you to uh, be a part of that. All sorts of ways that you can use whatever your gift is uh, to serve in that sort of way. Oh, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about this fall, we're going to have a big push for small groups. One of the gifts that Paul talks about in Romans 12 is the gift of hospitality. If you have the gift of hospitality, exercise that gift. You might want to open your home to host a small group in October or November. The real point that I want to make through all of this is Paul is making it clear. God loves you enough to give you a gift. God loves you enough to give you a gift that you can use that it's going to fill you with joy and it's going to help others experience more joy in their life as you serve that way. Uh, One more thought about this giftedness idea. I really hope you hear this. I don't want you, I do not want you to say yes to serving at Hope unless you also feel the freedom to say no to serving at Hope. I'll say that one more time. I don't want you to say yes to serving at Hope unless you also feel the freedom to say no to serving at Hope. Uh, Let's dig into that idea a little bit. Michael Scott has some things to say about it. Take a look. Hey, Ryan. Can I get you a pencil from the warehouse? Uh, no thanks, I'm good. Well, it's okay, I'm going down. Um, oh. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll, I'll be, be right pencil. back. Michael, can you get me a pen from down in the warehouse? Don't mind if I do. Uh, See you in a minute. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, fresh from the warehouse. Hey, Michael, would you get me some coffee from the warehouse? There's coffee in the kitchen, Pam. But the warehouse coffee tastes so much better. Yes, yeah. it's better. Okay. All right. That's great. All right. Okay. I am like Bette Midler in For the Boys. I've got to keep the troops entertained. With cream and sugar? Hopefully you're catching on. By the end of that scene, Michael Scott needed the freedom to say no to serving. And, you know, everybody has a different story. How did you end up at Hope? What brought you to Hope? One of the stories we hear on a pretty regular basis is uh, we came to Hope when we were in a season of hurt, when things were not going well, when we just needed to heal a little bit from life. Everybody goes through seasons like that. If that's a season that you are in, just want you to understand it's probably not the right time for you to be serving. Think about the healthy flow of love. You can't give what you haven't received. And so maybe it's just a season for you to be filled up with God's love for you. If that's the season you're in, we're glad you're here, and we're happy to just shower God's love on you, help you fill up with God's love. Some of us are in a very different kind of season. Here's verse 11. Read it out loud with me. Never be lazy 
but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Michael Scott has a lot of enthusiasm, but sometimes his, his enthusiasm is actually preventing him from doing the work that he's supposed to be doing. I, I, lazy is one of the, I don't know if I'd ever use that word to describe our congregation. Lazy. Our congregation is filled with a bunch of really hard workers. You, you work hard here at Hope. You work hard in, in your lives. I wonder if maybe the challenge that Paul has for us uh, this weekend from this verse, are you working hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically or are you working hard to serve something else? At the beginning of Romans 12, Paul gives us this warning. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Well, one of the behaviors and customs of this world is to over-schedule our lives, just fill our calendar up. Like We think a full calendar is somehow proof that we're living a full life, and that's... Eli! Oh, yeah. Don't mind me, Pastor Scott. I heard you. Don't be lazy. You know, use your gifts. It's a get-to, not a got-to. Anybody got any trash? <laughs> no? Thank you for listening. Yeah, um, yeah, but don't you just keep on going. Maybe you can keep wait until the end of the service? You can, you can keep on going. No, it's all right. Don't, don't, don't mind me at all. This is like being at a sporting my, my event. My family was here. I wanted to make sure they got cleaned up after them. Do you have any popcorn or cotton candy? Your you family's here, too. I better clean up after yeah, them. Yeah, we're a messy Pretty bunch messy. over there. Yep. Um, there's a time and place for everything, Don't be lazy, you know, right? Eli, maybe a different time and place. Well, yeah, maybe. Maybe you're right, but Pastor Scott, I've also got kind of a confession I need to make. Uh, also a time and place for confessions. You can set up an appointment. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what is it? What's so, going on? My confession is I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a clean freak. Oh, a clean freak. Like, yeah. What is, exactly does well, that mean? You know, like when I see a mess, I actually kind of like to, to put it back together, to clean it up. I can't leave a mess, you know. I, I, I around here we get to use like the Ghostbuster vacuum cleaner thing, and then we got all kinds of fun tools. That is really cool. Do you know, I'm not even bald, really. I mean, I just do this to look like Mr. Clean. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, that totally. is a it's clean true. freak. Yeah. I, I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But like, why are you doing it all by yourself? Well, I'm, do you think there might be other clean freaks at Hope Ankeny? Oh, I've visited the homes of these people. They. There's a bunch of clean freaks here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, what if some we... of them vacuum lines in their carpet so that wow, I mean, like it's their lawn or something? It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, do you think if we had like a, I don't know, maybe a support, I mean, a team of uh, clean freaks at Hope Ankeny that we could hang out like Sundays after the eleven o'clock service, a, a way and, of serving and using gifts. Yeah, and just like take out the trash and sweep a little bit. Do you think people would want to do that? That's not a bad idea. And if uh, if people were on this this team of clean freaks and they got this cool free hope t-shirt if you're on the team you get a free t-shirt we can't i mean there's going to be people who aren't even gifted at cleaning that want that t-shirt coincidentally we already had some made up it's kind of amazing oh that it's a god thing it That's is what yeah. we say around do you here. think do you think if they wanted to sign up after this service they could come after to the, welcome, the service yeah That's they could a key word. come to the welcome yeah. center and, after and the service join the clean great. freaks yeah so you'll be yeah. at the welcome center across from cafe hope after the service ends. Yeah, right. I'll clean my way and over there. they can talk to you about Exactly, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll be over there waiting, yeah. Thank clean you, freaks. Eli, yeah. uh, who has a gift for writing skits for worship. How about that? Oh, okay. Back to Romans chapter 12. Here's verse 5. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. And in all seriousness, sometimes I hear stories from people. We came to Hope. It seemed kind of big. We didn't know how to get involved or connected or plugged in, we ended up joining a ministry team. And we met people, and we built relationships, and serving together on this team really did create for us a sense of belonging here at Hope. That's the way it's supposed to work. 
you know, one of the interesting things that's happening uh, in our post-COVID world, there's a, a lot of research happening. Academics are very interested in the lack of belonging or a loss of belonging that a lot of people are feeling in the last two to three years. There was a study done at MIT recently, and part of what they were doing is they were looking at brain imagery technology, and they were able to uh, isolate the part of your brain that kind of lights up and gets activated when you are craving food, when you're hungry for food. And part of what the study discovered, that same part of our brain lights up when we're craving connection, when we're craving a sense of belonging. It's the same part of our brain that's connected to uh, the physical desire for food to keep us alive has this kind of emotional desire for connection. Another study done at the University of Toronto, again, their brain imaging technology, they found that the part of our brain that gets activated and lights up when we are feeling, experiencing physical pain, it's that same part of our body that lights up when we're experiencing loneliness and disconnection. A guy named Jonathan Haidt, he's written a book called The Happiness Hypothesis. He talks about vital engagement. He says it's a web of relationships and a sense of community in which you feel connected with activity, tradition, and the group itself. This sounds like the church to me. A sense of community where you're connected through activity and tradition and the group itself. A woman named Tracy Brower, who uh, is a sociologist and an author, she wrote an article for Forbes. She's talking about belonging. Being part of something and the coherence and alignment between your goals and the group's purpose, it's going to help you feel a greater sense of belonging. So, I didn't know this until this week, but I ask you to say our mission with me on a pretty regular basis. Let's just remind ourselves of our mission. Let's say it together. What's our mission? What's our mission? What's our mission? I guess the reason I'm doing it is to help you experience a greater sense of belonging because you know who you are. You know what you're looking for in life. You know what you want for your family. And when your goals and the goals or the purpose of the church, when there's coherence and alignment between that, you'll experience a greater sense of belonging. We're one body, that's the church, with all kinds of parts, many parts, different gifts. We all belong to each other. And and the kind of belonging that happens in in a healthy church, in a faithful church, it's a kind of belonging that you cannot fake. Uh, One final uh, passage from Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. It's on the screen, read it out loud with me. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I was sitting at the kitchen table, uh, had my uh, computer on, I was on YouTube, I had my headphones plugged in, and I'm just laughing and laughing and laughing watching uh, clips from the office. Finally, Wendy walks by, my wife is like, what are you doing? What's so funny? Uh, Part of what goes through my mind when I watch clips from the office, I think about how much fun they must have had making that show. How much uh, laughter, how many outtakes. And you sometimes hear, I don't know, horror stories from uh, movie sets or TV sets where, uh, you know, the, sta- the cast members didn't really like each other at all. And everything that you see on screen, it, just because they're good actors, it looks like they like each other. You hear very different stories from the cast of The Office. They genuinely enjoyed one another. So this final clip 
Uh, John Krasinski, who plays Jim on The Office, during the quarantine part of uh, COVID, he started a show. He would just record himself on Zoom and then upload that so that uh, people could watch it. It was called Some Good News. All sorts of bad things going on, but let's remind ourselves there's still some good in this world. So this is part of an interview that he does with uh, Steve Carell, who plays Michael Scott. And as you listen to them talk and share memories about being on this show together, listen for this idea. Don't just pretend to other, love others, really love them. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Take a look. I remember when you, when you did the episode where you played Santa and were very upset that Phyllis was already Santa. And so you were asking people to come sit on your lap and Brian, thank God, was chosen to sit on your lap. That's the other time in my life I don't think I've laughed harder when he sits down and you say, what would you like? And your air goes out and you went, what was your Just, and I'll never forget you saying, just say toys, just say toys. What would you like for Christmas, little boy? I don't know. I, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Well, what did you think was going to happen? I didn't know. <sighs> Nobody's ever let me sit on their lap before. Right, just say some toys, please. <laughs> I was supposed to be the button of the uh, scene where they cut to me and I did a gym face. I was never there. I was physically never there. But because by the time they got to the swish pan to me, I was out. I was either on the floor or I had left the room. Part of what was so much fun about it is that everybody in the cast was rooting for everybody else. People would step back when it was time for other people to shine. Some of my most fond memories, uh, personally or professionally, are entwined and connected with that Without show. A doubt. It wasn't even at the end. I think we were like five or six seasons in, and I remember you saying to the cast, you said, Guys, no matter what we go on to do, we will always be known for this show. Whether you're, even if you win an Oscar or do something crazy like that, you'll, you'll always be remembered for this show. And what an honor that is. People come up to me all the time and say, you know, you'll always be Jim. And I went, thank God for that. Yeah, yeah. There's really no downside to it at all. It's, it's great. I mean, what a, if, if this is what we are all remembered for, which probably will be the case, what a great thing to be remembered for. Let's stand together and get ready to sing our closing song. Uh, did you hear him say his observation of the cast was they were always rooting for each other, always willing to take a step back so that somebody else could shine. Um, I, I, I hope that's what our summer is going to be like. I've had a lot of people already say to me, Scott, hope you have a great sabbatical. Um, someone said to me last night, he was a professor, hey, I took a sabbatical once, I had to have a surgery. I hope your sabbatical is better than that. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I can't wait to come back and hear the stories of how God was on the move this summer as you all were continuing to carry out the mission that God's given us. Because it's who we are. We're, we're people who respond to what God has done for us. We are children who respond to what our Heavenly Father has done for us. That's who we are. Let's sing about that now.